All right. Well, hi, everybody. Kiddos, it's awesome to have you with us. Okay, someone tell me to move. I think I found the dot. Last week, there was like a, a, like a dot that's like uh, a light dot that resided on our head. And so, yeah, I can see it on the back there. So I'll, I'll move out of the way. Um, kiddos, it's great to have you in here with us. Um, today is Testimony Sunday. So um, for the preach today, so I'm not preaching. I'll, I'll share for a couple minutes and then, uh, and then I'll sit up here. Uh, we have four people um, that have said that uh, that they would give just testimony of God's goodness. Um, our testimony is a vital part of the church life. If we don't give testimony of the goodness of God, then how does God get glorified? Um, when we give testimony, it encourages us, it empowers us, it encourages those who are hearing. And so today... Um, we we are just demonstrating that this is a vital part of the church life. We have that microphone over there, so that um, so that the gifts of the Holy Spirit can can be in in practice uh, and can be manifest, and but also so testimonies can be given. Uh, has there ever you know been anybody that felt further away from the Lord after someone stood up there and gave testimony of something God did and, and a way that he touched uh, someone. I mean, it just doesn't happen that way. We all leave edified and encouraged and uplifted. Romans twelve eleven says this. Revelation, thank <laughs> Revelation twelve eleven. And they have conquered him. Said so they have conquered the accuser through the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. For they loved not their lives unto death. You guys, the shed blood of Jesus Christ would have been in vain if we refused to tell others about it. If we refused to talk about the goodness of God, then why was that sacrifice? Why was that price paid? And the testimony that we have would be impossible without the shed blood of Jesus Christ. So these two things work hand in hand. We acknowledge the power that comes through the blood of Jesus and the price that he paid. But then we've got to tell people about it. Then we've got to, to share. And, and that line at the end, and they love not their lives unto death. Guys, we've got to value the sharing of the goodness of God above our comfort level. Um, above just sometimes the fear of sharing, of opening up our mouths. Um, so I applaud those who uh, I sent out an email asking um, if you want to rave about Jesus, then then shoot me a text and let me know. So I applaud those who have said yes, I want to rave about Jesus. And so Logan, wants you come on up? Logan's going to be our leadoff hitter. So let's welcome Logan up here. All right, you, you can stand or sit. We have a we have a stool here if you want to sit, and and, and I'm I'm going to sit. So here here's the microphone, my friend. Well, good morning, everybody. Um, so, this testimony is a testimony of healing, um, something that happened in my life about four or five years ago. Um, it's had a very profound impact on my life and what I believe and that I know for a fact that God is real and that He is active in our lives. So, for about four or five years ago... Um, You know, I was 
living the life of a pretty much ungodly person. I was regularly attending a church, but God was not part of my personal life because of myself. Um, had gone to get a tattoo from a guy I worked out with at the gym I went to at the time. So, um, gone and got this tattoo. And after I got the tattoo, you know, I'd gone out heavily drinking and just messing around and just doing a lot of retarded, stupid things. And did not take care of myself, did not take care of the tattoo. And over the course of the next few weeks, um, what I thought was a minor issue with my arm turned into something pretty serious. Um, it started out as just soreness and some pain that got substantially worse as the days went on. Um, it got to the point where my skin was starting to bubble and just there was infection and it was it was not good. My arm was starting to really worry me. So I had gone to the doctor and they gave me some antibiotics and some other things for me to take to wash it and you know, get antibiotics in my system to help fight whatever was going on. And they said, you know, if it gets worse and this doesn't help, you're going to need to come back. So I did that, and it, it got worse. It did not get better, regardless of what I did. Um, so I went back to the doctor again, and I was starting to get spidering, like black spidering in my veins from the tattoo. I was had blood poisoning. Um... And he took a look at it, and he gave me some stronger antibiotics and said, take these, and within, you know, about a week, if it does not get any better, you need to come back, and we have some very serious things to discuss. So over the course of the next few days, I was still taking the antibiotics, doing what the doctor had recommended that I do, and it got substantially worse. It got to the point where I had absolutely no use of my left arm. It was the most painful thing I've ever experienced in my life. I could not sleep. Nothing I took or did made it any better. The pain did not go away. And I, I basically, in my heart and in my mind, I knew I was going to lose my arm because of how bad the blood poisoning was and what was going on. So once I had that realization of what was really going to take place because I had called the doctor, talked to him, and they would set up an appointment to go in. Well, that night, I'd called in sick to work because I was in no physical way of doing anything, going anywhere, much less working. So I remember I was sitting on my bed, just in excruciating pain, and just wondering, you know, why is this happening to me? What did I do? Well, I decided, you know, I need to pray. And I had not been praying about it and had not honestly been seeking God in my life at that point, in my personal life. So I proceeded to, to pray and literally beg God to spare me. Um, I cried out with all my heart and all my mind and all my soul. I can like, truly believe I did. I've never broke down emotionally the way I did that night. I was just 
basically devastated in every way, and emotionally I was just toast. I cried out, and I begged God to spare me my arm, spare my life, to forgive me and to heal me and give me an opportunity to have somewhat of a normal life because I thought I was going to lose my arm. No sooner had I got done begging for healing and forgiveness that I felt a strange tingling throughout my entire arm. All the, the, the pain and the hurt, it's kind of hard to explain the extent of the pain and how my arm felt. It felt like it was, the pain felt like my arm was on fire from the inside out and like it was burning and just the most excruciating pain I've ever experienced. Um, so my arm had the strange tingling go throughout my entire arm. The pain was gone. The burning sensation was gone. And next thing I know, I had full range of motion in my arm. And other than being a little sore, it was almost as if nothing had ever happened. And once that had happened, I had the profound reality that God had just touched me. And he had healed me. He had heard me. And, you know, people talk about being baptized in the Holy Spirit, being slain in the Holy Spirit. After that happened and I had that realization, I felt the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, wash over me like I have never felt before. And it felt like I was being baptized in the Spirit. That's probably one of the only times I've ever experienced that in my life. And it's made a, a very big impact on my life because I've personally witnessed healing from God, Him showering me with love and forgiveness. Um. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Hold on. Stay, stay there. God is awesome, and he's still in the healing business. Um, so that it was cool when we were talking about which testimony to share. He's like, I want to share, but I don't know which one. Should I share the one of when God miraculously healed my arm and set me free, or should I share the one where I was just set free from drug addiction overnight? Just, or should I share that one? Or, or and, he, and he starts rattling off. Um, so Logan has had some incredible things. Some incredible stories of freedom. Um, and and how awesome was that that telling, that testimony of God's faithfulness? So uh, I want to encourage us. Um, never look lightly upon upon our testimony, upon the stories of, of we have to share of what God's done in our lives because they're all profound. They're all when God shows up at the scene and, and shows his love and faithfulness. Logan, thank you for sharing, man. That was awesome, brother. Yeah. All right. Next up is Diane Harper. Come on up, Mama. Once again, you can you can stand up or sit down, whatever you want. I can get a couple dudes to go in the church office and get you the couch if if you're more comfortable with that. Good morning. Good morning. Um, wow. 
like Logan, I have just bukus of testimonies. And until this morning, I knew what I was going to say. And then it was like it went blank. And I said, Lord, I don't know what you want. And he said, yes, you do. Yes, you do. And the very first thing is that um, when I got saved, I had gone to a Presbyterian church all my life. And Jerry and I and three little kids moved from California back to Charlotte, which was my hometown. And my mother kept saying, oh, you have to come to our church. Well, it was a Presbyterian church. And she said, it's different than any Presbyterian church you've ever been to. So when we went, we found out that Pastor Shields had been baptized in the Holy Spirit. And he had turned this Presbyterian church to a Holy Ghost fire place. And so we went. And I went. we went several times. And on Palm Sunday, he gave the invitation, if you've never received Christ as your Savior, to come forth. And there were three women, three of us. So I got saved that Sunday, on Palm Sunday. Then on Pentecost Sunday, they had a special service for the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And it seemed like I didn't know an awful lot between Palm Sunday and, and uh, Pentecost Sunday. But I went, and I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I, there was so much joy. There was an amount of blessings in that church that you just wanted, you hated to leave. And it, just imagine a church that couldn't pay its lights and all for a, the longest time to a church that turned around and, and sent out five missionary families and kept them going. And uh, I learned during this time that there were things the Lord wanted me to do. One of the things was all around me, people were raising their hands. And it says in the Bible to lift up holy hands. And when you lift up hands, like Sarah said this morning, you break bondages. Everyone in our church should be lifting their hands just for the love. But not only love, but we carry a lot of heavy baggage around with us day to day. Whether it's at home or work or just problems that we have. And the other one that I learned was clap your hands. The devil, you know, he's used to certain noises and all, but when people are clapping their hands into the Lord. It's a blessing. And he, it's not something that you're just, you know, oh, I think I'll do it today. You're commanded to clap your hands. So I learned those two things. And I learned them well because even though we've been many, many places, we've had our own churches and all, that was something that I always taught our children no matter what or where you are, 
You give glory to the Lord. The Lord wants our glory. He wants us to glorify him. And in return, he shows so much love to us that it's unbelievable. Well, through the years, somehow, raising children, now three but four, and moving forever, it seemed like, uh, you lose some joy. And you just get in the momentum of your daily life. And since Jerry's passing in October, I've gone from low emotions to very high emotions to medium emotions. You know, so when people go behind me at work and I'm weeping, you know, they just keep going. (laughs) <laughs> they know <laughs> it's one of those days I am happy or I can be very joyous and speak to everybody that comes in the building because to me that's a ministry we have young men and women that work in our graphics high bay area at ball that don't know the Lord many of them do but the fact that I speak to them every day Good morning, have a good lunch, good night. You know, they have really come to expect that. And I think that's something that whether it's our neighbors or whatever, the Lord wants us to show our love to people. And I've been doing a lot of reading Christian novels and different things. And I'm reading a book now called Seeing Jesus. Now, when I looked to order that on uh, Amazon, I thought, I I really don't want that. (laughs) He's going to show me things I probably don't want to hear right now (laughs) or something. (laughs) But I did. And then when I started reading this book, it's, it's fiction, but it's the most profound thing that I've read in a long time. Because Jesus appears to this man who's not saved. And the man can hear him and see him, and nobody else can. And it's like this guy doesn't just stay with him a day or something. He's with him weeks. And how it changes his life. And I thought, Lord, we can't see you. And we can hear you when we want to. Many times we just don't hear, oh, that wasn't God, when it was God. But when he's with us, when we know he's with us, he says, I'll never leave you. I'm always with you. But if you start figuring out, he's with us, each one of us. So he hears what we say, he hears our attitudes, he hears our love, our rejoicing for him. And it has given me back such a joy to know that he's here, he's standing right here with each of us. He goes with us, he doesn't leave us. When we're asleep, he's right there. He sees all we're going through. And he's saying, go, go, you know, don't let the devil, don't let the enemy have any 
glory. That's mine. So my testimony to you is live as if you can see Jesus every minute of every day and not just feel him, but to know he's here. He's with us. He's with the kids. I love the way Maddie came up and just danced and moved about. It reminded me of my Amy. She used to raise her hands, and people would come to us and say, that put me, that child put me under conviction. If she can raise her hands and not understand what men talk, why can't we as adults do that? So I love you. And just remember, Jesus is right with each and every one of us. That was wonderful, Mom. This this is my mom, by the way. She's all of our moms, but she's like literally my mom. Um, so this was pretty funny. So so Mom was the first one to reply. When I sent out the, the email, she was the first one to reply with, I want to rave about Jesus. And then when I sent out the email again, she's like, how's the response been? I'm like, at that point, I'm like, so far you're the only one. And you know what her response was? Does that mean I get more time? <laughs> yeah. So um, I, let's do something here. Um, we've just we've had two testimonies, which I, I knew that Logan was going to share about the healing of his arm. Um, but you know, I, I'm not asking people. The people that are sharing, they're part of the church body. They're going to share Jesus, and I we trust them. So I don't know what they're sharing. Uh, Renee is next, and I don't know what she's sharing. And then Marie's coming up, and I don't know what she's sharing. But they're part of the church family. They're going to exalt Jesus. I'm certain of that. So I didn't realize that there was going to be the touch on the baptism of the Holy Spirit and then the mention of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Let's just do something real quick. If you, uh, right there where you are, uh, I'm not going to teach you on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. If you just want to receive just a, just a powerful dose of, of God in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I'm just going to pray over you right now. So everyone, if we can close our eyes. And if you want to have Jesus baptize you in the Holy Spirit, right there where you are, just lift your hands. Lord Jesus. We see in the word that you are the one who baptizes us in the Holy Spirit. So Jesus, we ask you right now to, for those that are hungry and that are asking and seeking you in this, just baptize them in the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, come in power. Move in power. Bring your gifts. Bring the power to walk in your fruit. Lord Jesus, baptize each one of these hungry hearts right now in the Holy Spirit. Lord, let the evidence be seen and heard and displayed so people might see and know that you are God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I know, I know you could. You're a harper. Yeah. Thank you, Mom. All right, let's welcome Renee up, everybody. to give us life and life to the full. Um, like um, the others before me, 
I was like, wow, I have so many testimonies of God's goodness and his greatness. You know, my twin that I prayed for, when he lifted the veil and my mom died and I could hear music from heaven. And I started thinking, and I asked him, what do you want me to share? Really, what do you want me to talk about? And he just put it on my heart to share with you about what it means to be chosen by God and what it means to have him intervene in your life, to truly rescue you from the enemy, from the world, especially me, from myself. Um, I was uh, married, and, and immediately after I was married, I was rejected by my husband. I was in an abusive marriage for 18 years. And, um, but I thought, well, we're going to go to church. And so we would go to church every Sunday. And, and I thought, well, you know, if I can figure this out, if, if I can, um, get people to believe, right, that I'm, I can live right. I can quit doing the things that are wrong because I have a Pentecostal background. My grandmother was Pentecostal Sunday school teacher. She shared the Lord with me all the time. But before I came to church, really, I was involved in the occult. Um, I was involved in a lot of things. And I just thought, wow, I'm never going to be good enough for God. I'm never going to make it. I'm never going to measure up. So I go to church, and, um, you know, I thought, okay, I'm, I'm dressing right. I got that down. Um, I quit cussing, so that was good. I got alcohol out of the house. I wasn't smoking pot anymore, so that was really great. I was raising my kids, homeschooling them. I was teaching Sunday school. I got baptized. I made a public profession. And then as life moved on and I was continuing to um, do these things, something didn't feel right to me. It didn't feel right. I wasn't measuring up. I was continually rejected. <laughs> continually rejected by my husband. Continually rejected by people in the church. I just didn't fit in. And I would be so devastated every day. It's like, what do I need to do, really, to to get here, to do this, to to be a part of things, you know? And I and I kept trying to hit this ever-changing standard. Well, I got these things done. I got this checklist right. I got all these things done. I don't I don't drink anymore. I don't smoke anymore. I'm not promiscuous. I'm not cheating on my husband. I, you know, I'm raising my children right. I'm going to church. I'm in Bible study. You know, I'm volunteering. I'm doing all of these things. But I just can't get it. I just don't measure up. And then it came to a point where the abuse in my marriage was so great that I decided that I needed to get out of it. And that was my decision uh, because I was at a point to where I felt like, okay, I'm married till death do you part. And I'm... Yeah, no. <laughs> I was to the point where I don't want to have to die to get out of this. Um, so I went and I told my husband, I said, I'm I'm done. I said, I cannot live like this anymore. You don't love me. You don't like me. Pretty sure you hate me. And that was it. So he went to the pastor of our church and talked to him. And the pastor called me in. And short detail, it was a very legalistic church. There was not a lot of grace, and um, the pastor told me that he was going to discipline me in the church, and I said, you're going to discipline me? I said, for, for what? And he said, for your lack of faith. What I know now, 
<laughs> I know that's not quite right. And so I, he said, God hates divorce. And I said, well, I know God hates divorce. But if you think I'm going back, God's going to have to hate me. So for a year and a half, I walked in misery. I just walked in complete misery. I couldn't sleep. I couldn't eat. I was working three jobs, trying to go through all of these legal things and all of these emotional things and all of these spiritual things. And I was under great attack. The enemy had me. And boy, did he have me. And then one day I was at home and I was just devastated. I was sitting in a house that was under foreclosure. I didn't have money to pay my bills. I didn't have money to buy my kids food. I didn't have money to buy gas. And I was trying to decide, do I buy gas for the car? Do I buy food? Do I buy propane to heat this house? And someone actually sent me a video and it was of a drama but at a song by Lifehouse called Everything. And basically it just showed Jesus and this woman dancing and him loving her. Then all these things came in between. And then it shows him coming between her and all of those things and rescuing her. And it was then that God spoke to my heart. And he said, I love you with an everlasting love. You are mine. And you don't belong to anyone else. And it was that night that he took me and put me face down on the floor and he showed me what he was doing with my heart. And he t- showed me he was taking my heart and he was turning it wrong side out. And he was shaking the rocks out of my heart. He was reaching into the deep places where Satan had gotten a hold of me as a young person. And he was pulling these things out, this sin, this grossness, this yuck, this shame. He shook it all out. And he turned it. And he gave it back to me. And he said, see, I have taken your heart of stone, and I'm giving you a heart of flesh. That is God's love for me. And it was after that that he gave this verse to me. I'll share with you. It's not the only one he's ever given me. but um, I was devastated that my husband rejected me, that I could never be good enough. And this is what God gave to me. Isaiah 54. Sing, O barren woman, you who never bore a child, burst into song, shout for joy, you who were never in labor, because more are the children of the desolate woman than of her who has a husband. And I'm sitting in a foreclosed home. And it says, Enlarge the place of your tent. (laughs) Stretch your tent curtains wide. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes. For you will spread out to the right and to the left. Your descendants will dispossess nations and settle in their desolate cities. Do not be afraid. You will not suffer shame. Do not fear disgrace. You will not be humiliated. You will forget the shame of your youth and remember no more the reproach of your widowhood. For your maker is your husband. The Lord Almighty is his name. The Holy One of Israel is your Redeemer. He is called the God of all the earth. The Lord will call you back as if you were a wife deserted and distressed in spirit, a wife who married young, only to be rejected, says your God. For a brief moment I abandon you, but with deep compassion I will bring you back. God speaks to me, (laughs) and he tells me that. 
And I look at this, and I want to tell you, if you are here today and you're just going through the motions, if you're doing that checklist that we talk about, there's a realness to God. There is a personal relationship that he wants with you. He wants to remove that facade. He wants to strip away everything that is not genuine in your life because he wants you. And this is not about me, and this is not about anyone else. The people in my life I've forgiven, and I pray that they can forgive me for the hurt I've caused them. This is about Jesus and what he does, what he wants to do. His plans for us are so great. And when you are at your end, he's right there. He loves you with an everlasting love, and he wants you to have a life that's full, that's full of love, that's full of joy, that's full of passion for him and for the people that he loves. So I just encourage you today, give your heart to him fully. You don't have to hold it back. He is a faithful father, a faithful husband, and a faithful friend. Um, Renee, would you, that was awesome, by the way. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. Would you just, uh, I want Renee to pray over anyone who is struggling with rejection and shame. Um, and I just want you to pray and just break those chains. Would you, would you lead us in that? Oh, precious Heavenly Father, God, we just come before you right now, Lord. And I lift up my hands to you, God, and I praise you for the deliverance that you've given me, God, over shame and guilt and regret, Lord, of the things that I chose to do in my life that hurt me, that broke your heart, God. Lord, I pray for each and every person in this room who may be hiding something in their heart, God. They don't want anyone else to know, Lord, but you see it. Jesus, you see it. It breaks your heart not for yourself, God, but for these people who love you, God, that you love, that you've called. Lord, I pray for the people who have suffered with rejection. God, for people who feel like they are not good enough, Lord, that they'll never measure up, God. I pray that they would just exchange that life for your life, Lord, that they would just take your spirit, God, that they would allow the power of the Holy Spirit just to permeate, Lord, every aspect of their life, of their heart, of their mind, God. In Jesus' name, I ask right now, Holy Spirit, that you would fall, God. That you would move people. Yes. Oh, Jesus. Holy Spirit, we just thank you and praise you, God, that you're working in the hearts and the lives of every person here, Lord. I pray for the young people in this room, God, this culture that is just devouring our young people, God. I pray that they would rebuke it. I pray that they would turn to you, Jesus. I pray that they would just take anything that is not from you, Lord, and that they would throw it away and recognize it for the garbage that it is. Lord, I pray that you would protect them from harming themselves. I pray that you would protect them from the lies of the enemy, Lord. I pray that you would just rain down upon them, Father God, your goodness, your grace, your mercy. God, give them a power, a new power, Lord. Make us stand in your power and your might. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Renee. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. All right, we'll bring up our closer. So we're going to call her. Here we go. Um, so, so Maria said, you know, that if, if, if you have time at the end, I can share. And 
And I, I don't think we're really, really worried about time when we're getting so encouraged and pointed to Jesus like this. Um, so that said, still, you know, keep it kind of short. But, you know, we're, we're not worried about time. Okay, have a seat. Um, help me out here. Should we have Kara come up? She was asking, like, should the worship team come up? Or what, what, do, you, what, do, you, what do you think? You're, you're a vital part of our worship team. Probably. <laughs> Welcome to Impact Rock, where we're so organized. <laughs> so many of you know um, our daughter, Talia. Um, she is a blessing. And um, to back up to when I was pregnant with her, or actually a little bit before, we lost her brother, Noah, at 20 weeks. So when I became pregnant with her a few months later, fear, such fear of going through that again. And uh, so every morning was I really had to purposefully say, Lord, I give it to you. Um, or I couldn't function. That fear was very gripping. And then at six and a half weeks, I uh, showed some signs of miscarriage. So we go in, um, and, and they're pretty much telling me um, the heartbeat was not pretty non-existent. It was very um, faint. Um, the placenta was pulling away from the uterus, um, and then the, the you know the fact that I was bleeding that I was going to lose another one. So we gave it to the Lord. I was like, Lord. I can't handle this, but I know you can. I'm, I have nothing but to trust you and put my faith in you. So they had me go in a week later to follow up. And even the doctor says, I don't believe it. She'd grown a miraculous nine millimeters in one week. Her heartbeat was, wow, strong, no denying it. But, you know, being a doctor, well, you know, we'll keep an eye on her. So just that confirmation of, Lord, he's got it. But that fear still would creep in. and I, Every day, Lord, okay, I trust you. I trust you. you know, another doom and gloom appointment. My cervix is supposed to be between... I think three and four centimeters and was measuring at two. So all these bad things, they're telling you all these things that might have to happen. We might have to sew your cervix shut to hold her in there. If that happens, there's risk of infection. All these things are rattling in my brain. I was like, but God, but God. So we prayed some more. They want they wanted me to follow up in a week. And then my cervix is measuring at three. And and they had no answer for that. I'm like, but God, I'm telling you, God can grow a baby in your womb. He can grow your cervix. He can grow your faith. So going forward 26 weeks, I don't realize when I, that I'm having contractions. This is my first time going that far in a pregnancy. And so, well, you know, they're starting to really un be uncomfortable that I'm having to hold my breath. <laughs> and a girl at work's like, I think you need to call. So I call, I go in, uh, sure enough, I am in labor. So they stop it, 
Um, they put me on modified bed rest, and two weeks later they put me on full bed rest, so I had to quit work. Um, if you want any of the in-between story, let me know. I'm just fast-tracking. <laughs> um, and I tell you, there's a time that the Lord spoke to me. And it wasn't just some... He can use anything. I tell you, He can use anything. His creation that He created, He can use. And I'm just sitting. It's a springtime in the back of our yard. I'm just sitting on a lawn chair. I'm not supposed to do anything. I was at a point where I was like, I don't even want to, I don't even want to pray anymore. Because that fear just keeps creeping in. And I've always had this love of ladybugs because they represent life. And I'm not kidding you. I'm just sitting in the middle of the lawn and probably a hundred of them landed on me. (laughs) They were all over me. At that point, that's when we decided your nursery was ladybugs. (laughs) But it was um, such a reminder of that life that the Lord had promised me. And just to keep trusting Him. So the Lord, uh, the doctors rather kept saying, just make it to 32 weeks, then we're happy. Just make it to 32 weeks. We pray and I pass 32 weeks. Well, just make it to 33. I passed 33. Passed 34. Finally, at 37 weeks, he's like, well, we're not going to stop you anymore. You're 30, uh, three centimeters dilated. Um, so, you know, when you go into labor, we're, we're just going to let it go. Once you know it, we have to induce that 39. <laughs> we kept praying that the Lord would hold her in there, and believe it or not, we had to induce to, to bring her out. I almost hemorrhaged and died after giving birth to her. So thank you, whoever gave blood, because <laughs> I'd have two units. You guys collected 28, and I took two of them. So thank you. But back to the Lord. <laughs> um, just such an amazing journey of faith that even when you feel like you're just at your wit's end, a ladybug will come along. A reminder will come along that he loves you. He loves you desperately. And I knew that I had a promise of kids. I've got three in heaven and two here. And they are both miracles that doctors say shouldn't be here. And I know that he has great things for them. Wasn't this good? So um, we talked about making this important. So just so you know, we're going to do this again uh, this summer. We're going to do it with a baptism service. So we're going to give testimonies, and then we're going to open up that garage, and then we're going to have that baptismal right there filled with water, and then we're going we're gonna to baptize whoever wants to be baptized. Um, but what greater way to kind of give a salvation message than through testimony of all the ways that the Lord saves us. Amen? Amen. Amen.
Um, Brad mentioned that we're starting starting the new series next week, and so I I, I, I haven't asked. Um, I ask you guys to those seven weeks, and then we have Easter on the eighth week. I ask you guys to 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 make this a priority, to, and, and to I mean we got quite a few empty seats today. Um, the Super Bowl's not today, as far as I know, or anything. So I, I don't know where everyone is, but maybe get on the phone and make some calls. But the reason we're doing this series is this: there's a lot of churches that talk about, well, and this is our church culture, and in our culture, you know, we value this, in our culture, we value that. And it, it, they always mention good things. So the, the three of us elders, we got together and we said, what is, what is our culture at Impact Rock? What do we value? And in the end, it was, we value Jesus Christ. We, we value Jesus. Our culture is Jesus. Now, we couldn't call this Jesus culture, because then if we said Jesus culture, Sunday at Impact Rock, everyone would expect, you know, this incredible Jesus culture worship, you know, to be here in attendance. But the name of our series is Culture of Christ because that, that is our culture at Impact Rock. And we're preaching these seven topics. Love, generosity, presence, which includes prayer and worship, discipleship, obedience, power, which talks about the Holy Spirit, and salvation, which is being saved, healed, and set free. So this is the order of our preaches. And so I've got some. Kara's going to preach. Brad's going to preach. Andy's going to preach. And it's going to be powerful. We ask you guys, can you make this a priority? And can you use a little bit of positive peer pressure to reach out to folks, you know, maybe you haven't seen in a while and say, hey, this is going to be good. Can you make it a priority? Um, because we're going to be talking about Jesus and everything we do. You guys, if you want to know what the culture of Impact Rock Church is, it's the culture of Christ.